Michael Swickert here. Welcome to Enchanting People of New Mexico, sponsored by the Fresh Chili Company in Las Cruces, New Mexico. Our award-winning Hatch Green and Red Chili, wow, is it good. It's from locally owned farms in Hatch, New Mexico, which you know is the chili capital of the world. One thing we know for sure is that in the old Wild West, in that Wild West in New Mexico, there were some intense gun battles. One happened to be the most intense by far. Well, how intense was it? Well, the front door of the house was hit by bullets more than 400 times, and the broom handle was hit seven times. In all, more than 81 people were involved, and 4,000 rounds were said to have been fired. But that's not the most interesting detail of this little gunfight. It was 80 men against one. And we don't know if it's exactly 80, but that was what the estimation was. Just one man. And to all intents and purposes, that one man in this big gunfight won when the 80 men who spent a day and a half shooting at this one man hunkered down in a house. Well, now as you might expect, if they fired 4,000 times, they ran either low or ran out of ammunition and they had to get on their horses and leave. The one man was not hit. This is a true story. Before I tell the true historical story, did you know that on October 3, 1958, a Walt Disney Productions movie that had been shot in Cerritos, New Mexico, was released nationwide? Now, it was called, and you'll figure out who I'm talking about, the Nine Lives of El Fuego Baca. <laughs> it's connected to a real person that I'm going to tell you about now. If you get the movie while it's uncredited, guess what? Walt Disney was in it, so <laughs> you can see that. Let me introduce you to El Fuego Baca, who on December, no, it was uh, the 29th of October, 1881, was the instigator and participant on one side of what is now called the Frisco Shootout, involving 81 men. Now let me locate Frisco for you. It's now called Reserve, New Mexico. The area's had several names, including Fresco, or Middle San Francisco Plaza, or Frisco, but it's now called Reserve, New Mexico. Two things to know. In October, most of the working cowboys in the area were not out riding the range, because the herds had been gathered and sent to market, and those that are remaining were close to the ranch for water and feed. So the town had many more cowboys than during the summer. And I'm not telling any stories out of school here, but most of the cowboys were young men, and when these young men had their summer wages, often the local liquor establishments were quite popular with them. And when they were drinking alcoholic beverages, can you imagine, they exhibited at times a lack of good judgment. No surprise to anyone. I'm not, uh, not picking on them, but in their youthful exuberance, uh, they would fire a pistol upward. It's irresistible to some cowboys that have been drinking, as it was that faithful day. One cowboy, Charlie McCarty, was shooting into buildings in his youthful, drunk exuberance. Enter one Efuego Baca with a deputy sheriff badge. More about that in a moment. Baca flashed the badge and disarmed McCarty. 
At that point, some of McCarty's cowboy friends tried to free him from Baca, but El, Fo uh, El Fuego Baca fought back and shot one of them in the knee and shot another one. Uh, well, it caused the horse to rear up and then land on the cowboy, which was a fatal wound. So Baca took McCarty to the local jail where he slept off his alcohol and was released the next day after being fined $5. That's that's the start of all this when we, we get to start. This is Michael Swickard with Enchanting People of New Mexico. Each Wednesday we do a podcast on people who are special to New Mexico. You can hit subscribe to automatically get these podcasts. I'm talking about uh, a Fuego Baca who is in the middle of the biggest Western gunfight in New Mexico history. Actually, United States history, I think. A day and a half siege with 80 men reportedly shooting at him. He was barricaded in a house, the house of a local Frisco resident, Geronimo Armijo. And Armijo's house was not that big a house. It was mostly a one-room shack, and that's where uh, El Fuego Baca went. Now, we have several accounts, including the memoir of El Fuego Baca himself. He says that while he was in Socorro, New Mexico, where he was born, the county seat of Socorro County, he was told of atrocities in what is now reserve. He was outraged, simply outraged, by the lawlessness. So he got a badge, perhaps at a store, and it happened to say deputy sheriff on it. He oiled his pistols and rifle, and he rode the hundred or so miles from Socorro to Frisco in a couple of days. For pistols, he was carrying two Colt forty-five. Peacemakers, the four and three quarter inch barrel, it was called the Gunfighter Model. He also had a long rifle, an 1873 level lever action Winchester rifle. The rifle has been called the gun that won the West by people. The pistols were Colt pistols, and though he died in 1862, Samuel Colt, Colt uh, in many accounts of Old West gunfights, they have a saying that God created men and Sam. Colt made them equal. Well, that's what he wanted. He had two of them and his rifle. And uh, it's especially true of El Fuego Baca, who arrived in Frisco on the afternoon of October 29, 1884. Despite it being a Wednesday, not a weekend, a cowboy from the John Bunyan uh, Slaughter Ranch, so there's John B. Slaughter near Frisco, started a fuss in a bar. Now, there's been some confusion because there's another John H. Slaughter in Old West history. He was a well-known lawman in Arizona, had a ranch in, near Douglas. Well, that's not this guy. He wasn't related to John B. Slaughter and his two brothers. Anyway, on this October, in October 29th, uh, Wednesday, the bar's Irish owner and former Army soldier Bill Milligan asked El Fuego Baca to help since the cowboy in question, Charlie McCarty, was shooting inside the bar, which caused a stampede of drinkers to a safer place, but it also meant that he, Bill Milligan, was going to have to patch the holes in the ceiling and climb up on the roof and patch those to stop the rain from coming in the bar. He hated people shooting their guns off inside his bar. So that's when El Fuego Baca stepped up to McCarty, flashed his badge, and disarmed him. He took his revolver and marched him to the local jail to sleep this all off. 
Several of the cowboy friends had tried to intervene, and as I said, in the skirmish, Baca shot one, and he also caused a horse to rear up, and it fell on another cowboy. Well, the next day, the local judge fined McCarty five bucks, turned him loose. The quite rowdy cowboys from the John Slaughter Ranch were incensed that this 19-year-old boy had accosted their fellow cowboy, regardless of what he was doing. So they went to the bar, got some drinks, and decided they'd take out their anger on Baca as soon as they could find him. Well, the cowboys were killing mad. Baca saw the group and realized that the fight was on. They intended to take him dead or alive. They actually, I think, intended to take him dead. He saw the angry mob coming, and he ran to his friend's house with a couple of guns and lots of ammunition. The house was in a clearing. Well, there was nothing close to it. The cowboys off to a distance, because when they got close, then Baca would shoot at them. Well, he was alone in the house, and luckily for him, there was about a 14-inch crawlway under the floor that the adobe house had. So the bullets fired at the house did not penetrate the crawlway. Apparently, the cowboy shooting didn't know about the crawlway. Some of them tried to run up, and he would shoot at them, and some of them got shot, and they decided that was no fun. He could shoot from the crawlway and did so for 30-some hours. In his memoirs, he said he killed four cowboys and wounded eight others. The exact number is disputed by a number of people, but the one thing we know for sure is El Fuego Baca was not injured. Finally, when it seems there was no way of getting him out of the house and their ammunition ran lower, it ran out, they reportedly fired 4,000 rounds among them. Well, they left, got on their horses and left town to go back to the ranches because that was no fun, and if they were out of ammunition, it was really not going to be good. The next May, that was May of 1885, El Fuego Baca was indicted and went to trial. Now picture this, if you will. When the defense held up what was left of the front door with more than 400 bullet holes in it, and then they showed the broom handle, which had seven bullet holes in it, well, El Fuego Baca was found not guilty. Michael Swickard here, Enchanting People of New Mexico. You can hit subscribe to automatically get these podcasts. A little background. El Fuego Baca was born in 1865, which made him 19 when this gun battle happened. He was born in Socorro, New Mexico. His father uh, became a city marshal in Berlin, a few miles away, in 1881. So he was around uh, you know, law enforcement. And while Reserve New Mexico was currently in Catron County, the county wasn't created till 1921, so the gun battle was in Socorro County. Now, you need to know that Socorro County is one of New Mexico's original nine counties when it became a territory, so at the time, that was Socorro County. After the gunfight, he had 60 more years. Imagine this, 60 more years of living in New Mexico, and he made good use of those years. He was interested in the law and studied and became a quite flamboyant lawyer, a defense lawyer. He also became a legitimate deputy U.S. Marshal. He went into politics, uh, well-known because people talked about him. He reportedly at one time was the district attorney 
And again, he was a criminal lawyer of note. And for several years, he was even the school superintendent. Boy, the boys did not <laughs> misbehave on his watch, but he was the school superintendent. And then also, it's kind of an interesting thing some years later, because we're talking 1884, 1885. We're talking in 1913. He traveled to the Juarez, uh, the Ciudad Juarez on the Mexican border with El Paso area, and he would uh, serve some local businesses as, as a strong arm if they needed it. Now, he was also, oddly enough, he was also an advisor to General Jose Victor Victorano Huerta during the 1913 Mexican Revolution. Talk about a guy who got into a lot of different things. Uh, he certainly did. He, he was very active. And again, he was always flamboyant. That's what we know about him was that he, he cut a wide swath when he was in any room people came to talk to him. During his lifetime and afterwards, he was in several fiction books, including, and this is where I first heard his name because I was a young boy reading a Eugene Rhodes short story. In 1911, this short story, A Number of Things, was published in the Saturday Evening Post. It later turned into a book that I read. It describes Socorro, New Mexico in the year 1900. Now, tell me if this reminds you of Socorro. Uh, Eugene Rhodes said, a land of mighty mountains, far-seen, gloriously tinted, misty, opal blue, and amethyst. A land of enchantment and mystery. That's New Mexico, a land of enchantment and mystery. One of the characters in this fictional story is Fuego Baca. In 1920, Baca is back in a Rhodes novel called Hit the Line Hard. He's as Octaveno. Baca, but obviously it is El Fuego Baca. In both instances, the fictional Baca was quite realistic. He was important for 60 years in New Mexico, didn't lo live long enough to see himself in the Walt Disney movie, The Nine Lives of El Fuego Baca. He did make a mark on New Mexico. He died at age 80 in 1945. If you go to Reserve New Mexico, you'll find a statue and monument to El Fuego Baca. And there are several nonfiction books about the life and times. Jesse Harden has a book, Old Guns and Whispering Ghosts, which is pretty good. You can see some old photographs and stuff. Uh, they're very good. Now, one thing that happens when people live in Las Cruces or in our area, they can go by the Fresh Chili Company's gift shop at 1160 El Paseo Road, Suite D7A. It's open Monday through Saturday, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Come and see some of the good chili. You can see everything they have. This is Michael Swickard with Enchanting People of New Mexico, brought to you by the Fresh Chili Company. Thank you for your time today. We'll always have lots of news and stories about New Mexico. If you have something or someone you'd like me to talk about, write to me. Michael at FreshChilico.com, Michael at FreshChilico.com. Have a great rest of your day and eat plenty of that good Hatch Valley chili. Like I always say, some chili's good, more is better, as long as it's Hatch Valley chili. Bye for now.